You are listening to the Those Who Do podcast, and today's guest is Whitney Bishop, and she's going to talk about business and mindset. One of our secrets to success has been that we have, from the beginning, been focused on treating our coffee shop business like a real business. It's all about trying new things, taking risks on yourself, investing in yourself. Like That's, that's the biggest thing that I would recommend, is just invest in yourself and, and don't let other people's opinions dictate what you do with your life. I won't outwork anyone. And once you do that, then, you know, once I learned that, I was, I was much older when I learned that's when I was able to start buying the, the nice things. Hi, I'm Whitney Bishop, Principal Consultant and Change Agent for Nonprofit Leaders Network. Hey, Whitney, thank you so much for coming down. We've been trying to plan this for a while. And God, I'm so glad. I'm so excited because I know, like, me and you are so much alike. Indeed. That, um, and the fact that we love the spirituality and the mental and the like actual working on the mind of business too that's right not just the like the body as well as the mind is just as important so tell us a little bit more about what you do in like the business consulting it's so interesting i think everyone should hear about it great so i work with nonprofit leaders and social entrepreneurs all across the world and help them get uh clear about the questions that they're asking and help them elevate those questions, help them set strategy, and get clear about the mindsets and the mechanics of what it's going to take for them to have the kind of impact in the world that they want to have. That's so awesome. So why do you, like, what is the passion behind it that you want to help other people's dreams? Well, I have always cared about uh, educating others and, and lifting others up. I spent five years as the executive director for the Southern Indiana Asset Building Coalition, And that was a real turning point for me in terms of understanding that when you are an executive director for a small nonprofit with no staff, you're wearing all of the hats and it can be so exhausting. There's a ton of burnout in nonprofit leadership uh, as well as in entrepreneurship, right? Like it could really be exhausting. And I wanted to help other people who were working to make a big difference in the world kind of deal with the overwhelm that they're feeling and stay focused on the strategic aspects of their work and the impact of their work instead of all of the minutia, all of the, all of the issues that can get in the way. And a lot of that can be dealt with through habits, routines, practices, and mindset. Right, 100%. So, and planning. <laughs> yeah. So a little bit, uh, how did you get into it? Was it just uh, you went to school for it, or is it after school, after a it job? It was after school. So I actually, um, I actually got a job that really turned me on to this whole nonprofit field. I went in in 1994 in rural Kentucky and interviewed as a job skills coordinator for a welfare-to-work program. And I knew how to use computers, which were relatively new back then. And they said, you know, I think you'd be better as a life skills coordinator. And I said, I don't really know if I have any life skills, but I know how to teach people how to use a computer. So I'm a single mom, and I'm working really hard, and I'm just not sure about that. And they said, we'd like you to go home and sleep on it. We'd like you to think about what kind of a curriculum you would design to help people transition from welfare to work and help them be more successful. And And I took that to heart, and I said yes to that opportunity and it changed forever the way I thought about what's possible for people. And it really clicked for me that this is what I'm meant to do. I'm really meant to educate and teach and help people think differently and ask better questions. 
so that they can have a different kind of experience. 100%. I love that. That's the all the behind the scenes, like the Tony Robbins stuff, the mindset. Yeah. And I know that you're just as big of a fan of Tony Robbins, Total too. Total geek. Now, you've worked <laughs> with someone really cool, too. Tell us a little bit oh, about yeah. that. Oh, yeah. So I had an amazing opportunity to be mentored by Jeffrey Gittimer, who uh, is just a phenomenal human being. And he, when I worked in corporate, I went back to school and got my degree in training and development, was in the Bahamas uh, with my company, and he was, he and I were both in the uh, main speaking hall doing our mic check for the next day, and we just kind of struck up a conversation. I had no idea who he was, and I think that annoyed him a little bit, and so we <laughs> he made no, uh, didn't take waste any time to tell me who he was and, and what a big deal he was. and. We had a fun we had a fun conversation, but he reached out to me after that meeting. We stayed in touch. He gave me one of his books, and he said, "I want you to read this, and I want to, I want you to let me know what I what you think." What book was that? Was that the one? That it was I read? the Little Gold Book of Yes Attitude. Oh, because I read the Little Black Book. Little Black Book of Connections, another yeah. great one. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. So I read it. I gave him a note. Uh, I gave him some notes about what I thought about the book and how it really helped me think differently about how I was showing up for myself and for other people. And when he was putting together a group of certified speakers, he reached out to me and said, hey, I'm doing this thing. You want to be a part of it? A personal invitation from this gentleman. And it really changed how I thought about what was possible for me in terms of an audience. So it really helped me think outside of having a job and serving that audience, uh, serving my employer and their clients or their employees, and made me realize I could go bigger. I could do more. And 100%. So that that's kind of been opened up like, this whole different like, universe of like, totally what business did. could be. Yeah, I had no idea that, um, that that was possible for me. And I think that for many people who have that moment, that defining moment, where they're like, I think I could do that. I really like that, and I think I could do that. And he gave that moment to me, and uh, and that was pretty phenomenal. That's so crazy. That's uh, that's just running in. You never know who you're going to run into. Right. But like right. Uh, with anything, like you're saying, like you was right yeah. next to you, and you didn't know who he was. Yeah. That's crazy. So what do you think is like the best way to make meaningful connections? Because you made that meaningful mm-hmm. connection. Uh, and it, it wasn't even really intentional. Mm-mm. And his whole book is about meaningful connections. Right. And it's so important in business to make meaningful connections. Absolutely. What do you think is like one of the best tips in, in today's? Presence? Like presence. Giving pe- like total presence. Like I'm here with oh, you. I'm not you. on my phone. Mm-hmm. I'm not concerned about anything else that's going on in my world. But I'm just here with you. And we're having a conversation and I'm fully present for it. People crave that presence of another human being we're so distracted mm-hmm. and when you can really show up and be authentic and be genuine be generous which I think is uh, for me it's a core philosophy if I'm if I'm with you and having a conversation or working with you I want to be generous I'm here to be of service to you and I think that that comes through so and knowing Whitney for about four months or as long as yeah. I've been with launch I know she's one of the, the most generous people oh, thank you Zach um and I think that helps, and you need to do that, too, for being in the field that you're in. Right. Um, what do you think is, or no, what is kind of like the day-to-day of what you do? Like, I, I'm not too 100% sure I know what it is. Got it. But there's so many other things that I'm like, oh, there's so much planning that goes into it. Yes, yeah. So uh, I really tend to get into a rhythm with my clients 
So I may be working with a client on their strategic plan, and that's not just a single retreat, but actually a series of experiences that I am creating with them and for them to be able to get where we need to be. So it might be planning for that experience, working with the various clients and making sure that we are asking the right questions, that we have the right space, that we have the right process in order to be able to get the um, outcomes that we want. And then after that, it's staying in touch with them. And so staying in touch on a monthly, on a quarterly basis to be able to help them keep things moving mm -hmm. forward instead of what typically happens when you do strategic planning or planning of some kind, it's viewed as an event. And so you create the plan and you put the plan in the book and then you get busy reacting and responding to the right. things that are popping up in your, in your work every day or in your inbox. And uh, I'm really working to help people create more predictable habits, routines, and practices so that they can be more intentional about how they're aligning with the strategy that they invested in creating. 100%. I like that because a lot of people undervalue like how good habits can be, and habits are like the way to success once you can build a lot of good habits. Right. And so you do a lot of helping people build those good habits in business. That's correct. Um, and you mean quarterly? So I actually, there are daily, weekly, monthly, <laughs> quarterly, annual, there are all sorts of rhythms that you can create. And it's really about finding what works, works best for you. One of my favorite quotes that I use with clients in our planning work is, your system is perfectly designed to give you the results that you're getting. And that's a Deming quote, and he was an engineer, and that, was, that just hit me right between the eyes one day. So whatever results you're getting, your system is perfectly right. designed to give you that. So if you don't like the results that you're getting, you've got to take a look at your systems. What are the systems and processes that you have in place? So um, a good example might be a lot of my work is with nonprofit boards. There is a regular rhythm to the board meetings. They meet every month. And yet the trigger for activity, most times for most board members, is the week prior to the board meeting. So I'm on a board, I leave the board meeting, I put the board meeting binder in my desk or in my car or in my bag, and then I get the reminder notice from the executive director or the staff a week before the board meeting, and what do I do? Oh my gosh, oh, that's we got a board meeting yeah. next week, now I gotta get busy, right? What I'm working to help people create is a different system for staying in relationship and alignment with that, that um, monthly obligation, right. not just because they were triggered by a meeting notice, but because they're in constant relationship uh -huh. with, this week I have this much time and these are the activities that are going to give me the most impact. Yeah, because a lot of people have to wait last minute. <laughs> well, and a, lot, and a lot of people are busy. Right. Right. So they have many other things that they're doing. But if you can get clear about being intentional about the time, energy and effort that you're giving to this nonprofit board and stay in relationship with it instead of just picking one big chunk of time right before the meeting, that's reactive. So how do you get how do you become more deliberate about how you show up? Uh, and the same way with the staff for the nonprofits, you want to help them create mm -hmm. a system that doesn't have them scrambling at the last minute prior to a board meeting, getting everything together and getting it done. But really, so we're in a constant yeah. system of communication. So what are some crazy stories or about like the clients that you have? Do you have any like big clients that you can talk about or any funny stories? I have a great story. <clears throat> this is one of my absolute favorite stories. Um, I tend to 
really work well with nonprofits that are in a major transition. Uh, one of the biggest transitions that you'll find in a nonprofit is a significant leadership transition. So a, a founding leader or founding director after decades of service is now retiring and someone else is coming in to fill this role that's only ever been held by one person. So as you can imagine, there's a lot of history, a lot of context, a lot of things that are coming along um, right, at that. that moment, right? So one of my clients is uh, an executive director who's been with this organization for about three years now, and we've been working together since before her hire. Actually, her the former founder of that organization hired me to tell the board she was leaving Ooh, because okay. she had told them several times that she was ready to retire and they weren't accepting it. So she said, can you help me tell them that that's what my plan is and let's create a succession plan? And I said, yes, I can. So came oh, in and helped with, with that, hand. right? Yeah, yeah. Came in and helped out with that. It was wonderful. They created a great succession plan and they hired an amazing new executive director. That executive director inherited an office that had the only phone coming into the organization on her desk. Now that made sense yeah. when you're a founding director of an organization 20 years ago and you're the only employee. But it doesn't make sense the way the organization has grown for the executive director to be answering the phone on Monday morning and making sure that she knows every kid who's going to be out and every staff member who's going to be out for their programs. Right? Right. So in my work with her, we got the phone out of her office. <laughs> and for the first time in this organization's history, the executive director is no longer answering every phone call that comes into the organization. Oh, shoot. So that's huge. Yeah, that's big. It's a big deal. That means that no other executive director who comes into the organization will have inherited that system. That's right? so crazy. So it changed. Like once you change the, the president, it changed like the whole future that's of the right. company. That's right. And it was it was a wonderful moment. Yeah. And uh, I asked her to send me a picture of the phone outside of the office. <laughs> so I was like, we've got to we've got to remark. We've got to mark this. Has it big become moment. like a running joke in the office? now? Yes. Just that phone. Yeah, it's been a big uh, and it's been a great story for me to be able to share to tell people what's possible, because now her day looks very different on Monday. Right. She has all of Monday morning to do her strategic thinking, her planning for the week instead of spending the first yeah, hour and a half answering calls about yeah. who's going to be in and out. So the top shouldn't be doing like that kind of like delegating kind of thing. And she gets to do more of like exactly. the running the, the back behind the scenes. Over years, the organization has changed. But inside the organization, right. they just sort of adapted and reacted and responded to the things that were coming. And this was an opportunity to really create significant change for the long term. Mm -hmm. Now, was that holding them back? Was that a big holdback? Was the in, in kind of they, they were in making some ways? Yes. So if. Uh, if nothing changes, nothing changes. So they may have been able to exist that way for uh, a number, for the rest of the time of their organization. But what would they be missing from an impact standpoint? If right. the executive director is able to spend three additional hours thinking strategically instead of reacting and responding to things that other staff could do. Mm. And so for the executive director to be so easy to get to seems kind of like uh, lowering the – what that person can actually do in the business. Right. What is their genius work? Right. And, and how is what they're doing having a, uh, the highest overall impact inside and inside the organization and for the cause or for the mission? And that's what I really want to help mm -hmm. people do is to get out of their own way and really focus on those things that matter most so that they can have the greatest impact in the community that they um, can have.
That's so, that's so awesome. I love that. So do you have any morning routines or any like cell or little disciplines that you do during the day to help mindset or anything like, uh, yes, I feel like, yeah, you have all kinds yeah. of crazy stuff. <laughs> I totally do. Um, I will tell you that my morning practice and my morning routine is probably one of my, uh, secret weapons. Ooh. I feel like the quiet and the, the calm that I get to experience first thing in the morning has, uh, has really given me the capacity to show up differently for everybody in my life. The people I love, the people that I lead, the people that I serve, all of that. And um, so it does start with silence. It starts with uh, meditation and really getting still. And, it, and then it moves into a writing practice that I have. Um, it's where a lot of the content and the ideas that I um, work with my clients on can flow uh, by doing that writing practice. I read. Uh, I'm an avid reader, and I'm always reading something that's helping me see things from a different Definitely. perspective or add to my, um, add to my perspective or um, inform the work that I do and how I do it and who I am as a human being. So I do some reading, and then I think about my day. So I really think about yeah, my intention. Out the day. Um. I I don't know that I would call it scripting out the day, but what I do is get anchored in my day. So I get clear about the engagements and the opportunities that I have that day to be of service. And then I sit again with Did it. Did you do that this morning about like what things were going on today? Absolutely. I was really looking forward to this podcast. Yeah, that's so awesome. And now you mentioned meditation. Now yes. a lot of people get, because uh, meditation is such a big net, that could mean almost anything. Yeah. Do you play like YouTube videos about guided meditation or do you have a... I tend to do that at night. Uh, I'm a little more uh, distracted at night than mm -hmm. in the morning. In the morning, I just feel like such an open and clear vessel that it's easier for me to be still without any support in the morning. But in the evening, I will use those guided meditations. Yeah. Really, I'm yeah. just sitting still in the morning and enjoying my coffee and breathing and being um, and being present. Yeah, I love I love that because that's really like taking your time instead of waking up. And a lot of people, what they do when they wake up is do one of the worst things which is check social media That's right. and be on their phone and do the negative patterns yeah. and being late. Right. Uh, do you wake up early? Because I know some people. Oh, yes. Ooh, how early? Yeah, I'm a 5 or 5.30 girl. Yes. Uh, 5 or 5.30 in the morning. I love that. And when I don't do that, I feel like I've slept half the day away. Yeah. If on a weekend I, I sleep till 7 or 7.30 I, I was very proud or something. Of it. <laughs> yeah. But I love, uh, I love the early morning. There's something so sacred about it to me. And nobody's mm. looking for me. Yeah. Right? Nobody's... It's, yeah, one of the most zen parts of the day. Yes. Um, and some teachers, some spiritual teachers would call that the golden hour, that hour just oh, prior yeah. to sunrise and the, um, and the magic that's in the air at that point. But I do love the quiet and the, to me, it's the possibility of the day and um, the ways that I could potentially serve other people in the course of that day. It's just, it's a blank slate. That's so awesome. Yeah. So what do you think about... Uh, kind of doing law of attraction practices because uh, I know some people that are really against it because they think it's wishful thinking and some people that mm -hmm. use it to help supplement in their business is mm -hmm. just like a mindset mm -hmm. like you are what you think about kind of thing like yeah uh, yeah like m kind of manifesting your life by just focusing on that one thing mm -hmm. um, do you do any of that, that any I do I actually yeah, do some that. of that with my clients and they may not know that's what's happening yeah sometimes um, you have to sneak it in there sneak in well the here's what I love to teach Let's explore the thoughts, beliefs, and attitudes that are informing the questions that you ask and the decisions that you make and how you show up. 
So what are the underlying thoughts, beliefs, and attitudes that are uh, sort of the core of your operating system? And if we can get clear about those, then we can, um, we can begin to see how things will play out. So if my, uh, for instance, as an executive director, if my thoughts, beliefs, and attitudes are, I'm so overwhelmed, I can't get this done, I'm exhausted, I don't have any help, I can't find enough volunteers, there isn't enough money, those thoughts, beliefs, and attitudes are informing everything about how I show up. But if I can take those same thoughts and shift from those thoughts to more ideal thoughts, I have all the time that I need, I have all the money that I need, I have all of the resources that I need, I have all of the knowledge that I need in order to be able to move forward today. What is my next step? That's a very different process for my brain than sticking in that negative space. And if I can shift to neutral or to positive and then begin to take action from that, my results change. And so that's what I try to help my clients do is think mm -hmm. about what are the thoughts, beliefs, and attitudes that you have as you prepare for a board meeting. Right. As you prepare for a volunteer engagement, as you prepare for a big event. If the thoughts, beliefs, and attitudes behind that are serving you, then you're going to have momentum. Right. If they're not, you won't. And so that's where I try to really help people think differently about how they think. Yeah, very true. Now, getting into that mindset, doing it a few times, you kind of feel like you're doing the wishful thinking. How do you get over that fact? And like, really, because you really have to feel what you're thinking too to really believe it. Because mm -hmm. you can think it all you want, mm -hmm. and then you're not, you're subconsciously not believing it. So then nothing will happen. Right. I uh, I shift to questions at that point. What else? What do I need in order to be able to move forward? What else could be true? What if it's possible? Is a great phrase. Um, I was struggling with something not too long ago and, and ran across some, uh, some notes and some other things that I'd written, and there was a great question in there that set me free. And it was, what if it's possible for me to be hopeful and angry at the same time? I like that. And all of a sudden, I was just like, oh, I can be both. It doesn't have to be one right. or the other. I can be hopeful about the situation as well as angry about the situation. Uh -huh. And that means that I can move forward or I can be in neutral and take some steps forward. Does that yeah. make sense? And it goes, it goes like, because some people are scared when they're sad, like, because they don't want to be sad. But you can't always, like, you can be happy. Like, yeah. You need to find that balance. Like, oh, really I used to run, I used to run from sadness like it was my job. Right. Like, just try to shove it down and do anything I could uh -huh. to avoid feeling sad. And what you learn is that when you're feeling those strong, unpleasant emotions, they just want to move through you. Uh, one of my spiritual teachers that I listened to, uh, I was listening to her podcast the other day, and she said, it's, the psalm is, we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We don't move in set up a camp, invite all of our friends, live in the valley of the shadow right. of death. We walked through it. And so you have to be willing to uh, endure those feelings of sadness or those feelings of frustration and those feelings of anger uh, so that they can pass. If you don't let them pass, if you don't let them move through, then you're sort of holding on to that. It's an energy that's better used elsewhere. And you can definitely feel that on people too, that hold energy like that. Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, yeah. God, that's so crazy. So a little bit off of the topic of that, but how did you get into the heart of Louisville going into launch this new uh, 
thing that yeah. I've yet to talk about until I get Walter on here. Ah, um, oh, so awesome. So Walter and I went to church camp together as as young uh, uh, okay. teenagers. So that's the connection. Okay. And uh, but you know Walter and I have been friends for years and have shared this community of uh, really like-minded, wonderful human beings and have stayed in touch over the years. And he just invited me to lunch here to see what he was doing. And as soon as I saw it, and as soon as I felt it, and I could feel the energy of this space. I could feel the energy of his belief and his excitement, and I wanted to be a part of it. And I was not even looking to make a move. I was perfectly happy where I was. And I saw this as an amazing opportunity to expand and grow. And my word for this year, I choose a word of the year. I don't know if that's something what? that you I'll do, like that. or but so I cool. choose a word every year. And this year, my word is presence. And one of the things that I'd begun to notice about myself the last couple of years is that I had gotten a little isolated. Uh, I'm, I have enough business, I have enough uh, stuff going on in my personal life and family life, and I just wasn't stepping outside of my sort of natural uh, circle enough. Right. I had really sort of become um, insulated a bit. And so I wanted to find ways this year to stretch myself and to expand myself and to, um, to be more present, to have more of a presence in uh in the community and this was just such yeah, a, a serendipitous sort of tap on the shoulder like uh -huh. oh presence how about why don't you just move your office isn't that check amazing, out this though? right like, once you already set intentions you see the opportunities come around yeah like i was like oh i need a podcast studio and then that's how i ran into this like yeah because i was like thinking i was like oh how i can't afford that that's going to be thousands a month yeah. and then i got blessed with this opportunity to build my own exactly which was, like, so that's the thing that we're going on before, like setting yeah. your mind on attention uh, or setting intentions on what you want yeah. and then just positively focusing on that. Because mm -hmm. if you focus on the negative things, you'll only see the negative. Mm -hmm. um, and then if you see the positive, you'll... Absolutely. There'll be more opportunities for that. Yeah. And I know Gary Vee always preaches that, which is awesome. I was just listening to one of his podcasts where he's like, positivity is like you, there, you can focus on negative stuff mm -hmm. or positive stuff. Yeah, it's, they're both true because you believe yeah. them. Or because you, you know, like you, so you can be, you know, in the same breath, we live in a world that is confounding. We live in a world that is amazing, right? Like we, right. It's, those things are both true. And so where we choose to focus our energy, uh, and then there's another one, Earl Nightingale uh, in The Strangest Secret. That's an old, old ancient uh, recording uh, you'd love it. I'll have to share that with you. Jeffrey Gittimer shared that with me. But he talked about planting, um, planting seeds. So nightshade is a deadly poison. And corn. So you can grow a crop of corn or you can grow a crop of nightshade. The soil doesn't care. Right. It's whatever you plant and whatever you nurture, that's what will grow. And so do you want to grow a deadly crop of nightshade or do you want to grow a crop of yeah. corn? So that's pretty much the same thing, uh, but... Putting a different, I really like that too. It's yeah. like what you, because I like the plant analogy because that really goes with life, like watering yeah. and uh, exactly. letting it grow if you don't, sunlight yeah. kind of thing. Um, do you find anybody or any of your clients really struggle like to leap over that? Yeah. You have uh, a lot of boards have individuals on uh, on them who have very strong opinions or who are very um, deeply rooted in 
wanting to keep things a certain way. And so there could be a majority of people who are ready to shift in a different space. And what I have to do is to try to help find a way for the entire organization to move forward. And so it's my invitations to those individuals who want to keep things um, the way they are. It's my opportunity to invite them to see things differently and to see what else is possible and to recognize the impact of their inability or unwillingness to uh, consider other possibilities. And when I can do that, we can usually get a shift or a compromise that is going to allow the organization to move forward. So the question might be, is this decision going to allow you to move forward or is this decision going to keep you from moving forward? And oftentimes, if people look at it that way, they will say, well, clearly if we don't do this, we are not going to move forward. So right. maybe I do need some more information or a little more time to process. Um, and that's really what I try to do is to extend invitations to see the other side. Because once you create the possibility that something can exist, it will exist. But if you won't create the possibility, it can't happen. Yeah, you won't even like... You won't see it. You won't see it at all, yeah. Yeah. Now, how many clients do you have now? Oh, goodness. So I have about six clients that I work with on an ongoing basis. Mm -hmm. So all year long, we're working together on things. And then I have another five or six clients that I'm working with um, kind of on a maintenance schedule. So I'm coming in and doing some quarterly retreats or other things with them. Uh, and then I've got about three or four potential new clients coming online. So it's a, it's a nice blend and mix. And mostly the organizations that I'm serving are ones who are helping people who don't mm -hmm. have people. That is the heart right. of my heart of work. I feel like if I can be a multiplier for those organizations and help them really have greater impact. Oh, so the smaller ones, the smaller businesses? No, the um, the nonprofits that are oh. that are really working to help people who don't have people. Oh. So really helping them. If I can be a multiplier for them, some of them are small, some of them are large, and the truth is they all have symptoms and challenges that are global. It's very true. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned two things that caught my attention, which is uh, retreat. Do you, yeah. like, go out and do uh, – I love doing retreats for groups, like yeah. Like, do you all go nature or go – like Sometimes we do Sometimes we do an outside location or an overnight location. Sometimes it's just a day retreat, and I think that the that's one of the other reasons that I'm here at launch because there's a beautiful space uh, upstairs here where I can conduct the work that I do filled with whiteboards, lots of ideas that can uh -huh. fill those walls, and – um, so it's, it just depends on the kind of experience, the kind of budget, and the kind of time that we yeah. have. And so some blend of that dictates how we do those things. 100%. Mm -hmm. Now that second thing is online. Do you have the website and like uh, people can, I guess, packages or they book yeah. with you and then they show you like how much they want to go in depth with you? You know, my favorite thing about my business is that it's referral based. And so, so much of the work that I do is, uh, is generated from people who are sharing that work with their colleagues and friends and saying, we did this work with Whitney. It was really helpful. I would recommend you have a conversation with her. Uh, so my website is www.nonprofitleadersnetwork.com. And I am in the midst of shaping that up and putting some resources out there for people. And yeah, I'm like always that. 
happy to have a conversation with individuals about how things are working in their organization, how their mindset's impacting the impact that they want to have, and really giving them tools to be more deliberate about how they live, how they lead, and how they serve. Right. Oh, I love that. So I'm going to end with this one last question that I always like to end with because it helps with the mindset too is what's a quote that uh, you just live by or something that gets you going? Any quote, phrase, maybe a thing that you heard in a book? Oh, gosh, so yeah. many. I, but I will tell you, one of, the, one of the things that I consistently remember is when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Ooh. Wait, so, where is that from? I definitely know. Well, Confucius, I believe. I have been inspired by that for a long time. Uh, a lot of times I am planting seeds, mm -hmm. and I'm not going to be able to see the fruit of that come. For a while. Right? Yeah. I may not ever see it, but I do have an opportunity to plant those seeds, and so I think that it's great to just understand that um, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear, and it may be me or it may be somebody else, but we're out there, teachers, doing the important work of being available to students to change this world. Definitely. So how do you think people can prepare, like, mentally for that teacher that they need or don't even know that they need? I think it's about just staying curious and being open um, and being present, right? Being fully right. present in a room. And we all know what that feels like when we're really there. Uh -huh. and we are really present and something really resonates with us, our whole energy, our whole body, yeah. everything about us opens up and changes. And what I'm trying to do is to create more of that in the world. Oh, I more love opportunities that so much. for that to happen. Well, thank you so much for taking thank this you, uh, chunk of your time because I know you're, you and almost everyone in this building super busy. <laughs> uh, and I'm on a marathon this week to get interviewed at least close to everyone that I can in this building because there's so many cool people. We got. Uh, I love it. Forgot who's next coming up. I think it's either Walter or Drew. Ooh, both of them so, are good choices. Yeah. This is great, Zach, and we're so. Uh, I'm so lucky to have you here, and uh, I love what you're doing for well, us, all of us who are coming into the podcasting world yeah. because of your leadership. Thank you. Well, you're going to start a podcast here soon, right? That's about right. You and I have got to set that up. Mindset or something. That's right. right. Make good. three changes. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Those Who Do. Hope you learned something from Whitney. She's one of the best in the business consulting business. Awesome mindset. If you really did get something from this, if you could leave a rating and subscribe. We got a lot more cool podcasts coming out, building up to Those Who Do, and a lot more cool people in Louisville and all around to interview. So really hope you stick with us. Thank you so much.